0: Cyber Signups, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. This week I was joined by Anastasios Arrampatis, and uh, who I refer to as Tassos throughout the interview. Um. This was another fascinating, brilliant conversation that could have gone for hours and hours. Um, Tassos is um, the other contributor to an article that I shared with the podcast that I did with Justin Sherman. and um, In fact, I've done two with Justin. So if you want to go back and listen to them, if you haven't done so already, that would be um, another layer to this conversation. Um, Also, just to say that we were talking about cyber warfare, but not like you would expect. Uh, This week, we managed to get poetry, mythology, philosophy, um, lots and lots of really, really good subjects that helped us have a a good conversation about what cyber warfare is, why you may need to be um, concerned, worried, interested, um, we talked about uh fake news, real news again, this seems to be a topic that comes up a lot, particularly when i'm I'm discussing around children's critical thinking um and just to say that i I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and i don't want to give too much away um because I want you to listen to it um, and just to say that you know this this is a, a podcast that i'm really, really enjoying, but again. Um, I feel like it's a sales technique every single week I say this. This does not fit my um, perspective on life in terms of um, how I approach things. However, there is pretty much a real aspect here, folks, that um, this is my time. Um, I'm recording this uh, introduction on a Sunday because it's the only time I could squeeze it in on a weekend um, and during the week because I've been so busy um, with, with other stuff. Um, and obviously I'm writing my book. This, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard going at times. Um, so what you can do is you can help, uh, subsidize, um, my, my time and head on over to patreon.com forward slash cyber sign up, sorry, sign up, sign uh, up, sign up, become uh, a patron of mine, um, get, Extra materials have uh, other other materials that general podcast listeners won't won't get, and, and those of you on YouTube, um, you won't actually get the reflections. You won't get any of the extra information handout or anything that I'm I'm doing around each subject, um, <clears throat> unless you are uh, really subscribing to supporting me doing this podcast. Um, for the rest of you, um, put your hands in your pockets. You know. Um, dig deep even if it's a five or a month um, that that would be enough to sustain the fact that I think there's people interested in this um, I do get told and I've had quite a few meetings this week that there are a lot of you that are interested in this um, so let maybe let's have a bit of a dialogue as well that what I'm what I'm trying to do is open this up to have a conversation with people as well um, Cyber CyberSynapse remit is to bring lots and lots of information to parents, to professionals, um, particularly in and around um, the subject matters that don't often appear in e-safety um, issues, particularly for children. Um, and I have a particular approach around this and what I am doing, I've got another great podcast next week that I actually recorded this week, um, based on something that I've done with BBC. Um, <clears throat> but also they're the topic matters that we need to be talking about. We are going to, start, as, I, as I've been saying, we are going to start diving quite deep into some of the darker sides of the internet and cyberspace because it isn't all on the internet. And this was the introduction that I did with Gary the other week. Um, please do listen to all of the podcasts because every single one has something unique in it. It's a unique topic generally by itself, um, but it's also adding to this um, basket of knowledge, if you like. Um, we need to be looking at this from a meta perspective all the way down to an individual. And obviously that's, that's giving it a little bit away from what I said this week with Tassos. Um, please enjoy the show, leave, leave a rating. Um, this is also really important. Please leave a rating on iTunes. It takes you two minutes to do so on, uh, if you've got an iPhone, you go down to the bottom and it will say leave a rating. The more of those that I get, um, I believe the more people will find out about this podcast. But also, there's a share button, so please click on the share button. Show show people um, where where the interest really is. So this isn't an e safety podcast. This is a a higher level um, conversation. Yes, they're candid. Yes, they're um, abrupt to the point, and they have opinions in. And please. This is what we need to be talking about. Let's not hide behind, um, yeah, let's not hide behind anything that's, that's keeping this information from being out there and please do share it. Please have a conversation with your colleagues. Tell them what you've found about this, this podcast, tell people about it, discuss it with them, see what their opinions are. See if we're all singing from the same song sheet. Um, I don't want to go on a rant, which I generally do, and I feel like that last little bit kind of it. Uh, I started to speed up in my uh, language and um, tone of voice, so I'm I'm disappearing off. I'm busy. It's Sunday. I'm going to upload this ready for you, and I shall see you all next week. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by Tassos Arampatasis, who is um, a where have you gone? Oh, that's it. You are a retired Hellenic Air Force officer with 20 years of experience in the field of implementing and evaluating cybersecurity. So we're on to my favourite subject again. Um, and you're particularly interested in the human aspect of cybersecurity and trying to find ways that education will assist humans to achieve a better cognition of our limitations and our abilities to counter cyber criminality. That sounds absolutely amazing, Tassos. And
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Kalimera, as we say in Greek. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Um, and to, to introduce uh, other people who will be listening to the podcast and, and watching it, um, Tassos is also um, one of the co authors of the articles that Justin Sherman has done, who's also been on uh, the podcast. So, as you can see, I'm keeping things in house and with um, people with similar, similar interests around cybersecurity. So, to, to begin, why do you do what you do, Tassos?
1: First of all, uh, Catherine, thank you for the invitation. And uh, second, I haven't met Justin. In, uh, we all know each other from uh, the internet. Mm. I have seen his face only in photo. So that's the good thing <laughs> about technology. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and uh, why am I doing this? My wife is a teacher at the local elementary school. Mm -hmm. So the first time that I went to that school to do a kind of, let's say, seminar about cybersecurity versus students versus technology, I realized that the kids have a very big knowledge about technology, how to use technology, how to Mm -hmm. use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, but they don't know why and they don't know the implications of the technology. Yeah, the implications to their lives, the implications on uh, let's say formation that they are sharing, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that was the trigger. Uh, from the other part, from my let's say professional background as a military officer, I also realized that a lot of times uh, officers that are highly trained often uh, often did a lot of let's say childish mistakes. When they came, to, they came to decisions about okay, what should I do now about these message that comes, pops up into my window onto uh, my computer? Yeah, and this proved out to be that th- there was a lack of let's say knowledge about how to make decisions for this kind of issues. Yeah. So um, uh, that those th- those two things together plus the excitement to uh, really assist people to find the ways through education to be more more knowledgeable so as to tackle things about cybersecurity because cyber, as Elton John says, is all around us. Yes. Elton John says love is all around us, cyber is all around us.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it's not
1: going away. It is not going away. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm just thinking about um, the age of... Uh, obviously, this is what we've kind of talked about on email is is the fact that you do what you do, probably more towards adult-based decision-making. And obviously, I'm working with children and trying to understand why they engage with cyber in, in the way they do. Um, so what what we looked at was... Um, I mean, this topic is so big, we don't have time to cover it in each uh, podcast. But what what I did notice was... Recently, yourself and Justin, you did an article which used um, a little bit of Greek mythology to to kind of talk about why, why people are doing what they're doing. Um, and it related to cyber warfare. Now, I've kind of touched base with this with uh, Justin. So what we're going to do today is hopefully explore a little bit about the article, but also what cyber warfare is. So mm-hmm. the first question is... For for my listeners and uh, people that watch it on YouTube, what is cyber warfare?
1: First of all, the article that you are referring to was uh, titled as Thucydides, the historian, the Athenian historian, mm-hmm. and in uh, the site in the data warfare era, and it was uh, co-authored with Justin Sherman. And what we wanted to show is that principles and ethics and uh, standards that were, let's say, established thousands of years ago mm. and still valid. Yeah. Uh, if we interpret them into, let's say, the current situation, the current context. Yeah. Uh, so since you referred to mythology, uh, Odysseus is also a favorite uh, hero of mine because Odyssey is a poem that is full of very nice examples of how you can face your enemy once you know who your enemy is. Yes. And now to answer your question, what is cyber warfare? Cyber warfare is, let's say, the most modern uh, form of warfare as warfare has been defined by many, many big scholars. like Krausevich, like like Sun Tzu, like uh, many others. So we're not going to, uh, we're not trying to, let's say, define warfare into, uh, let's say, give a new definition about what warfare is. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we are trying to show is, try to tell is, is that cyber warfare is a new way of uh, implementing traditional tactics with new technology and, of course, the target now is different. The target now is information. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think, <clears throat> yeah. It was. It was. It. When I was talking to Justin last, I was uh, saying that I had been reading um, books around. Um, oh, what was it? It was. Did I read Homo sapiens or was it? Um, yeah, it might have been Homo sapiens that I was reading. And one of the things that was in the book was um, the, the kind of currency that we used to use might well have been the trading of sheep, the trading of cattle, the trading of... Um, then it changed to wheat, then paper, and obviously paper became money. And now we, we have this uh, currency of information. So I think this is this is really kind of one of my interests at the moment is about this idea of how information is shared and misshared and information is either correct or adapted it's it's also completely false and it's this is the warfare that we're kind of looking at so we're not talking about um b-52 bombers coming over and and yet yeah, we're talking about very very subtle but clever workings of how how countries, companies, individuals, are are, so we've got meta-levels all the way down to individualistic sharing of information and and kind of how this can be used in warfare. So, my question would be, why would my listeners need to know about cyber warfare? Why would they need to be concerned?
1: Uh, They need to be concerned because uh, all those, let's say, Uh, Governments, companies, individuals and so on, are trying to manipulate our own Uh decision-making. Using, as you said, clever tactics and uh, the most sophisticated, uh, but not always ethical uh, tactics, they are trying to manipulate how we are going to react in certain conditions. I think what we saw with the Cambridge Analytica case, either in Brexit
0: mm-hmm. or
1: in uh, the US elections in 2016, yeah. a very fine example of what we are calling cyber warfare.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Of course, it's not an additional warfare, as you said, it's not B-52s or F-16s or tornadoes yeah. flying over our heads, but it's a, a piece of information that flies into our heads and it's trying to make us think differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So That's why our listeners, they need to know about cyber warfare.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think um, when, when I was talking with, so I think the last article that I was talking with Justin about was, this, this is about why humans err and why they make errors and, and kind of mm-hmm. you know, how, how we interpret information and the biases that we actually have in terms of what we do with information, how quickly we read it. Um, and, and for me, this comes into the area of critical thinking for children about how they learn to critically think about the information that's sent. So what instead of, instead of just talking about children at the moment, what about if we look at, you know, why I want to use the word criminal, but also um, governments are not, not technically, if you like, cri- yes. criminals in the... In the, the- <laughs> Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <of course. laughs> yeah. Um, actors. What, you can say
0: actors. Yeah. Well, yes, because they are the manipulators of the information, aren't they? So, what? Why? Why do you think this works sometimes and not others? And and how? How does this manipulation of information work?
1: Okay. Um, uh, as you said, human beings have limitations, and limitations that are, let's say, with our memory. Uh, how to let's say, keep information into our hard disk here. Yep. And uh, we have limitations because of our biases and we have limitations because of our culture. Um, mm-hmm. Culture, organizational culture, societal culture, but culture defines yeah. how we are behaving. Yeah. Um, sometimes, let's say, the actions are uh, successful from governments, companies, and so on and so forth, because they are targeting, let's say, groups of people that they are vulnerable to these tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, if you, let's say, show some uh, personalized ads to middle-aged plus a uh, group of people that mm-hmm. do not let's say, have a good understanding how technology works, it's easier to get their, let's say, consent or approval to do something, mm. to do what you want them to do. Yeah. Same goes for the children. And I'm also sensitive about uh, children because I have five children. So okay. also, you know, I have my own small school in the, the family. Yes. Um, <laughs> The same goes with children, and with children it's even worse because children are mimicking what their parents are doing. Yeah. Uh, they don't have yet the knowledge to judge, to be critical, uh, to uh, to have a let's say a critical mind. Yeah. How to let's say throw away something that is rubbish and keep something that is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another reason how uh, these actions are successful. On the other hand, uh, these activities can be uh, unsuccessful if, uh, first of all, are mal-designed. For instance, uh, they don't keep into consideration the ethnographical group that they are targeting. Yeah. uh, Or, on the other hand, if the targets, the humans, are clever enough to reject this kind of attacks. Mm. So clever enough means, not that that somebody is stupid or not, but clever enough means that he has been able to develop uh, critical thinking through either education, I mean formal education, or informal education, so that he can, let's say, justify... What he's he listening to or reading to, if it is uh, let's say trustworthy or not, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, so I just wanted to pick up on your your point about um, kind of children and critical thinking, um obviously because this is this is what i what I do at this end <laughs> um. So there, there is um, a way of children learn. So I've actually been putting this into my um, second book at the moment, and I've been talking about children and how they learn about the world. So there is, um, th- there's different types of education. So we have um, what's called the Montessori education, which is where children will go and learn through the actual activities with the aid. I think the word is scaffolding. So Vygotsky talks about scaffolding that with the aid of um, uh, an educated other that you can, you can learn about the world. So that's um, in one of my psychotherapy trainings, we did a um, uh, something called transactional analysis. And we talked about one of the, one of the early developmental stages is something called the little professor or the little scientist. So that, that part of the the self goes out and explores and works out what gravity is. And, and, and that's usually by falling off a settee or falling off a table that the child learns to work out what's happening in the world. And I've noticed that um, structural education will then kind of delineate, take that away from children and say, okay, we're going to teach you by rote, you're going to learn this, learn this, learn this, repeat it back, learn this, learn this, learn this. And children don't question it. So during, during early education, if you're not from the scientific Montessori thinking for yourself background you will become literally rote learning and and you will take information in and regurgitate it out but you don't do the critical thinking and that doesn't come until you're approximately 13-14 years of age when your brain is going through a particular developmental phase which includes abstract thinking and being able to take information in and critically analyze it. And again, I think this is, this is also something about some education systems are so rigid that that critical thinking gets squashed very quickly. So this, this is the, the next generation of um, adolescents and adults who are obviously manipulative in terms of being able to be manipulated. So I think that's, that's one of the interesting things about where, where you're saying it's that piece of information and how do we, we analyse it? How do we critically think about it? Mm-hmm. Um so do you think this is this is what's happening with um the the sharing of misinformation is because we don't know how to check so i mean my my children are critical thinkers in terms of uh i'm a, i'm a clinical researcher so i've taught them to say well where's that from who says so to go to the source to do a little bit of background checking because when you're fed something it's not necessarily absolute truth
1: Yes, um, okay, you have touched a lot of things uh, and let me try to phrase my answer. Uh, yes, kids need to, uh, my, my belief is that kids need to develop their critical thinking from the early stages. Mm. Mark Trensky, I think you know him, has said that the current, uh, let's say, generation is called digital natives because mm-hmm. they are born into the digital world. Yeah. While uh, you and I, we are digital immigrants because we came into this world uh, as immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being a digital native doesn't mean that you know how to criticize, how to critically analyze yes. information. So uh, I think if we look at the examples of Estonia and uh, Finland, where the educational system puts the kids from the very early stages into the critical thinking uh, we can say that kids today are, th- are learning differently from let's say our generation mm. uh, they learn differently because they have different inputs they yeah. have yeah. computers in their homes while we didn't have computers and we have a lot of information Uh, let's say, jumping around into their home and into their schools. So for me, it is essential that we learn, we teach the the kids to uh, analyze critically all information that is available. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, I think, for me, the most important point that everybody, parents, teachers, uh, policymakers, uh, the minister of Education and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. they have to change the way how kids are being taught in the school. Because parents alone, I think, they cannot do it, okay? They can mm-hmm. show some examples, they can teach the kids when they are home, okay, this is what you are reading. Does it make sense to you? Yeah. Is it, let's say, a, a good enough for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It has to be, let's say, a systematic approach on this issue, a strategic approach on this issue. And unfortunately, we don't see this uh, happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think one of the phrases I, I often use in uh, psychotherapy with the client is when they, they, they say, well, it well obviously it's blah, blah, blah. And I say, who says? Uh, and quite often you can see people get stuck. What, what do you mean, who says, Kath? And I, well, who says? Who says that's the actual truth? So that, uh, and I, I sometimes explain to people that there's your truth, the other person's truth, and then the truth in the middle. And everybody has a separate frame of reference in how they see the world. So even when something is in front of you, it's not the, it's not the truth, 100%. It's an interpretation of the truth. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to get into I mean, um, yeah, well, <laughs> this starts going into my, fa- uh, my favourite um, kind of, you know, the phenomenology and ontology and epistemology, but I'm going to leave that out because this is not an academic um, uh, podcast. But there is something around when, when you see something, question it. Where did it come from? What, what intent does that person have by producing that piece of information? Where does their kind of cultural issue, you know, their cultural background come from? What, For example... Um, there is uh, Ben Goldacre is uh, an author in this country who is also a doctor and he produced a book I think it's about 10-15 years it's a long time called Bad Science and it was how the media interpreted research Mm -hmm. and how because they're not researchers they tend to take the bits that look sensational and produce it into the, the media and then we are essentially in inverted commas spun a tale um, so the the biggest one we had in this country years and years ago was that the MMR vaccine caused autism and that that was the headline that appeared in the newspapers um, but this this is essentially what happens on the internet now isn't it is for every piece of information you can always find it, find a counter argument and it's who who and where did that information come from um, and as ben, Ge- ben Goldacre showed in his book it was usually the people who were uh, funding the research, for example, um, the people who were funding the um, nicotine research generally were tobacco companies. So, so that there's something about and go back and have a look at who's who's funding the research, where it comes from, what kind of motivations the people writing the research have, um, and in terms of what we're doing here today, this is this is a podcast about. Um, we're saying, question everything that you're, you're reading or listening to. And, and I'm going to say to the people listening and watching, question this. You know, question where we're coming from.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was reading the, first of all, uh, you said something that is very vital. We have to learn to read between the lines, as we oh, say. Mm. Uh, because, uh, yes, uh, the motivations of, the, uh, of every author is different. Yeah, and the target is different every time. I was reading the other day from uh, the conversation, which is a very nice let's say website. Yeah. A lot of, uh, uh, let's say interesting articles. That uh, the most, the biggest problem that has uh, social engineering and social media created, uh, concerning truth, is that we don't have now one single truth. We don't have an objective mm-hmm. truth. We do mm-hmm. have. Uh, let's say my truth, your truth, his truth, and we have lost the meaning of truth. Yeah. Uh, so that is a very big problem. And I, am, I may recall also something that President Obama said when they, he first touched the issue of fake news, although I don't agree with the title fake news. Mm-hmm. He said that if people, cannot distinguish uh, truth from false, then there is something definitely wrong. And yeah. I may not agree yeah. with other things that Obama has said over his let's say, administration, but th- that was something very, very nice. There's something definitely very wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that, that's one of the questions that I had for you, wasn't it? Is How do people check good sources of information?
1: Okay. Uh, I will tell you one, one example. When uh, the Miller indictment uh, came out about the, let's say, the Russian uh, interference into the U.S. elections, I did a, checked, uh, a search through Google, a Google search, to find, let's say, what other sources were saying about this indictment. The first page of Google 6 was, uh, were only British and U.S. Let's say, sources. BBC, oh. CNN, Washington Post, and so on, so on. Nothing from the Russian site. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's do the check, blah, 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 uh, RT.com. And then it came out, the, let's say, the article from Russian Today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, what I am suggesting is that if you want to s- check the truth, try, and, try to find different sources about the same subject. Try to see both sides of the coin. Yes. So that is my advice. There is not, let's say, magic that we can do. Try to be critical, try to be, let's say, like Thomas, the Apostle, who yes. didn't believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and try to search always the truth from different sources
0: absolutely oh i'm i 'm so with you on this one because um i 'm going to ask you a question that isn 't on our <laughs> <That isn't... laughs> right so in terms of um so the the, the idea of doubting thomas isn 't it um i I am just thinking when you were talking then one of the I, I listened to quite a few other podcasts, and one um I do like philosophy a lot um and when i 've been listening to the podcasts around sam Harris, one of the podcasts he did oh, months ago year it might even be a year um was around how how technology can manipulate um what people are saying so he was talking about how i think it might have been obama what they actually did was manipulated through photo the equivalent of photoshop mm-hmm. words and, and we see this quite often in in jokey music videos don't we where they take um for example president obama or or the president of anywhere across the world and they do the song lyrics from speeches that they've given and they kind of stick them all together exactly so in terms of when we're watching um maybe a speech somebody's giving or uh, perhaps there's there's something of importance that we're watching how how would we know if something has been engineered or has been manipulated in some way
1: Good question. <laughs> Very good question. Yes, I have seen the, let's say, this video about manipulating President Obama's uh, speech with somebody else. And uh, yes, it's uh, scary. If you, can't, if you cannot trust, let's say, your country's media, and who, let's say, are supposed to inform, let's say, the citizens of a country, yeah. Be Greece or UK, whatever. Uh, then who do you trust? Yeah. Uh, but uh, this again has to do with uh, journalism. It's a, it's a big issue. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you read uh, about the fake death of uh, Russian journalism in uh, Ukraine, Ukraine oh. uh, the other day. Uh, that was broadcasted by the media. Uh, What was the purpose of this, let's say, manipulation? Uh, We know, yes, we know that sometimes, let's say, especially the state-owned media, like we have here in Greece, are, let's say, uh, pushing forward the opinion of the government. Mm. And uh, they are, let's say, hiding the counter-opinion of uh, the opposition parties. Yeah. But, uh, yes, but you have also the private, let's say, news outlets. And uh, so you can double-check what is going on. But if, let's say, the video that you are seeing on television, on your, on YouTube, uh, from a trustworthy source, like BBC, is mm-hmm. not real, then we have a very serious problem.
0: Yeah, I mean... Uh, um. So I'm now going to kind of tell people about a website. No, I'm not going to tell people about a website, but there is um, there is a, a, a comedy parody um, uh, forces website in this country. Um, and quite often the, the person who runs that that particular um, Facebook page will, will sometimes put up BBC News. And, and what he's managed to do is manipulate the the title and he's filled it out with, you know, um, soldiers of the United States kingdom blah 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 and mm-hmm. and it really really looks absolutely spot on um and and this is into that that kind of cyber security phishing exactly when you get when you get the emails and and it's been really interesting to watch uh from my perspective obviously i'm i'm ex-forces and and to watch these supposedly educated people in in terms of Understanding what the army does and doesn't do, reading through this po- and then the comments that have ended up underneath, and people have been saying, do you, "You do know this is fake." Somebody, "No, no, no, no." Well, it's got a BBC headline, and I, I was like, oh, "My goodness, these these people are so easily yes taken taken in."
1: That takes us back to the previous discussion about yeah. it can be analyzing information, and that reminds me of, uh, I think the movie was called Charlie Wilson's War with uh, George Clooney. The fake war that they did uh, a movie mm. that they did in Albania, I think, uh, to try to hide uh, some domestic issues about corruption. I don't remember now exactly the title of uh, that movie, but it was a, a, a fake war on a studio uh, that was uh, used, let's say, to hide some other domestic issues of the administration.
0: Yeah, I will.
1: I will. Uh, and the main author, the the. The main character.
0: Right. I will Google that and put that in the show notes for anybody (laughs) interested. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Actually, I was thinking one of the things Sam Harris actually said was he was was worried that when he put, so for example, we're talking on um, the podcast, so there is the potential and there's always a potential for this, for somebody to take the video, take the audio, whichever it is, manipulate it and then set up. Um, and, I, and I've had this with where I've done a, a news report or I've actually wor- um, been interviewed by BBC. And what they did do was where they took the um, uh, the answers to the questions, they've then changed the order in which they asked me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of an interesting moment for me to go, ah, although they didn't manipulate what I said, they did in terms of for journalistic uh, pizzazz and... Um, sensationalism they put the big question right at the beginning and then the trivial ones followed because mm-hmm. what they want people to do is to listen so this happens if I write an article sometimes that you know people will say oh you know Kath nibs is supporting I, know, I haven't said that where does it say I've said that um somebody questioned um a video that I've done and said you've said all and I said never once during any uh, any part of that presentation did I use the quantifier all I said some you know, and there's yes. different... so I, I'm beginning to find that even in this low level um, impact in terms of what we're doing, you know, we're, we're not on BBC. This is not going to be um, sensationalist headline news today. And later on, they're going to say this is what we all need to do as a, a culture. But there is the potential that we can be manipulated. So I think Sam Harris talked about this happening with him. And that actually what he said is people will quickly pick up on it the same as they did with Photoshop that you, you'll be able to quickly tell. And I thought, actually, I have had clients come in who haven't been able to tell whether something's been photoshopped, And that's, that's where I'm sitting going, okay, so I think Sam Harris is making a judgment that most people will be able to do critical thinking. And I'm, I'm not so sure that is that is a, a, an actual truth, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. technology With technology, you can do a lot of things. The, thing- the problem is that some things are not, let's say, ethical. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, I think, comes into discussion about culture. Uh, we need to develop some culture that is at least around, let's say, cyber security, use of technology, uh, sharing of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to have to develop and maintain culture that. Uh, will give to everybody uh, let's say uh, to, to to trust what they are listening to to or what they are seeing on yeah. their, their let's say monitor but uh, as uh, peggy Ertmer says peggy Ertmer is a very fine american uh, education uh, educational researcher she says that uh, to be able to change the current culture is very very difficult, mm. but uh, the effort is uh, is worth it. So yes, we have a very difficult road in front of us. And since you like mythology, it's like the uh, road of virtue, arete, in the uh, in Hercules. Mm-hmm. In the <laughs> if you remember Hercules and his uh, story uh, about uh, when he tried to let's say, decide which road to, to follow. The road of virtue was difficult at the beginning, but then it was an avenue. And he cho- chose the road of uh, virtue.
0: Yeah. Now you see, immediately I was drawn to when, when I'm explaining to clients about how, how their brain was something called neuroplasticity and how, how you can actually change what's happening within your brain and how you think and, and you know, how your mind can now work. And I talk about um, going down the hill where you're sledging on snow, that if you've gone down a path many, many times, it's very fast. But if I was to say to you, change halfway down, you would have to kind of make a big turn and, you, and you'd get stuck in the snow. So that would be your first attempt. And the yes time you could turn, you you'd might go a little bit further and then it might be a little bit further. And by the end of the day, by you know continuing to go down this particular path, you then are able to change how you think and i i pretty much see that's that's how the world of of cyberspace has been for me and and hence that's why i've called the podcast Cyber Synapse because this is about making more and more connections across the world and having more and more uh invaluable conversations like we are doing today Mm -hmm. but also there is something about the culture of integrity and and what you're saying is is we need we need to have a source that people can go to that's absolutely trustworthy and I, I'm just wondering whether that would exist in journalism, because that's essentially what journalism set out to do. Um, but now we have this competing interests about who can have the biggest story. And, and generally, it tends to be the negative side of things. So what, what I do see is there's a lot about the negative side of, oh, this is happening, that's happening. And I think that's one of the things that you said right at the beginning of, no, it was a conversation we had, actually, and is in... Um, uh, with Justin as well, and it's in your articles, fear-driven um, sensationalism is not going to change how we look at cybersecurity. It's not going to look at how we look at um, maintaining privacy, integrity. Um, and I'm heading towards that that lovely phrase of GDPR in a minute. So I'm what? just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it being the hot topic. So there, there is something about, yeah, we do need to produce a culture of integrity.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. speaking about uh, culture, and since you, sh- you said about uh, GDPR, uh, I think uh, GDPR alone is not, let's say, epanakia, to use no. a Greek word. Uh, because, okay, you have the legislation, you have the fines, if you breach the regulation, but then what? Uh, being compliant once means that uh, that's it? You're finished? You're done? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my from my perspective, and I agree with what Bob Covello wrote yesterday on the state of security of tripwire, is that GDPR is a strategic goal. It's not a tactical operations that we do today and that's it, we finished. Yeah. Uh, It is a strategic goal for everybody, for companies and for individuals, because we also need to learn what are uh, our rights in terms of our the privacy of our own personal data, mm-hmm. and uh, you cannot achieve let's say, this environment if the companies that are let's say uh, uh, dealing with our data, storing our data, uh, uh, their their client their uh, employees do not have a culture of respecting my privacy, your privacy. Yeah. So GDPR and culture need to combine and they need to work together if we go, if we want to have, let's say, a, an environment where everybody respects everybody's privacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, there is a difference uh, in, in terms of what I do as a job. One of the things I do explain to children and adults is what, what we do is private. So not only do I keep their data private, but I also keep their verbal words and what they do. That's private. So that there's something about how, how people understand privacy. And the, the bit that I find really interesting is when people think they have a, a right to privacy on the internet and when they have a right to privacy in cyberspace and... Um, so I when I'm training I actually show a video of a social social um social experiment bar and I think what happens is this person follows a few people around and it's this this is a video from 2012 and it's still absolutely apt now and he goes around and and he says you know are you are you, um are you Nikki Nick Nicholas Nick and and the person goes hey and and one of the 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 bits that they they kind of filter out is somebody underneath says thank you for invading our privacy and and i'm always i always bring this up as a conversation for Mm. for my students is actually where is privacy where does it sit where does it exist where do we start with personal data privacy on the internet what you're putting on social media what people can get hold of what can be used what can't be used and obviously this starts taking us right the way back to our uh, the, the conversation we had at the beginning about exactly. when, when information is then manipulated and used. Mm-hmm. So what, okay. what do you think needs to be done? What, what more is there that we need to do?
1: If I can put it in uh, one word, we need to invest on cybersecurity. Okay, that's not one word, but uh, <laughs> three words. Yeah we need to invest on cybersecurity, invest in, uh, let's say, strategic level, government level, invest in the educational level, invest on the organizational level, invest uh, on uh, on our homes. Mm. If we realize that if I am secure and you are secure, then our friend is secure, and if he is secure, then his friend is secure, then we get the meaning of what we mean about the chain of cyber security yeah if we break this chain we lose everything yeah
0: yeah excuse me i i was actually sitting having um having lunch with somebody yesterday and we were both talking about the cyber the cyber world and how how her world has changed from what she's currently doing into now providing education around social media and cyber And, and as i said it it, my world has changed slightly from what I wanted to do for cyber stuff to where I am now. So I'm just thinking that before, before we open up a, another large conversation, which may take us another hour to get through, um, do you think there's anything that you would like to add at this point of the conversation? Cause I think what we can do is perhaps with, with yourself and Justin, you know, again, trying to arrange, um, uh, the, the three way conversation that we're going to have, um, and and do more in depth on cybersecurity. But is there anything you, you'd want to say?
1: Yes, I have a surprise for you. Since you okay. said in the emails that you like uh, uh, mythology, and you said that you like philosophy also, yeah. I would like to end with a poem. Oh, lovely! Not my poem. <laughs> Not my poem. Uh, Kafkaes is uh, one of the biggest Greek poets, and he has wrote a poet, poem called Ithaca, the island. And of course, it's a poem about uh, how we should uh, perceive Íthaca. Allow me to read for you one uh, verse, and we are finishing. Lovely. As you set out for Íthaca, hope the voyage is a long one, full of adventure and discovery. Lestrigonians and Cyclops, agri Poseidon, don't be afraid of them. As long as you keep your thoughts raised high, as long as a rare excitement steals your spirit and your body. You won't encounter them unless you bring them along inside your soul, unless your soul sets them up in front of you. I think
0: wonderful.
1: Oh wonderful. Yeah,
0: I've got I've got goosebumps. Oh that's <laughs> lovely. And so apt. So apt. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, I think it's a very uh, its a bit nice way to finish uh, today's yeah, conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So I, I uh, yeah, I want to thank you for your time, Tassos, and and thank you for a, a, a wonderful conversation. I um, thank you
1: also for the opportunity, Catherine.
0: Uh, yeah, I think definitely uh, if we can get yourself and Justin and and we can do a, a a bit more in depth because as I said to you right at the beginning, this is this is the topic that's really exciting me at the moment in terms of. What what we do need to know about as a as a culture as a as a world really. Mm-hmm. So I will put links to any of your articles if you want specific ones, Tassos. If you just let me know via email, and um, you can be found on LinkedIn. Obviously, if people want to connect with you on there, yes. Um, I will have to put your your proper full name in the in the uh, show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: obviously, any questions anybody has, um, again, yes,
1: they can. Uh throw me a message through LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, okay. So thank you ever so much for your time, Tasos. And I hope, you know, that I, we've talked about the, the temperature that you're going to achieve today. We're nowhere near it in the UK, um, but have a wonderful day. And for everybody else, I shall see you next week.
1: Enjoy your day, Catherine. Bye-bye.